Have you ever wondered why you react the way you do? Why some people develop certain disorders? What stems from these disorders and why it's caused? I will be covering topics such as eating disorders, multi-personality disorder, Stockholm syndrome, and Tourette syndrome, and how the mind plays a role in them. So I'm sure you've heard one of those terms here or there, but have you ever wanted to learn more or find yourself asking more and more questions? I chose these topics because they caught my interest. There are way too many things related to the brain to discuss, and we could be here for hours, so that's why I chose those four topics. I'm going to lead off with eating disorders because it is especially common in today's society. Eating disorders can go two ways. It can go from not eating enough to binge eating, which both are unhealthy habits. Females typically are targeted more and experience more eating disorders because of society standards. However, males fall into the category more of binge eating. Those that participate in sports, stuff like wrestling, swimming, track, and football, also have to follow a strict diet. So those that participate in those sports often are susceptible to more eating disorders. Bulimia nervosa is commonly associated with females. However, there are many factors that go into eating disorders, and there's not one unifying diagnosis. Sometimes females develop anorexia, which affects the body functions, and often females or males will purge or throw up to get rid of calories, and it's an impulse to repeat over and over again, and it's hard to resist that urge. Binge eating can easily lead to obesity and heart problems because there's often the struggle to get away from unhealthy habits. It might also be related to working out too much. A male might feel the need to work out impulsively because impulse is hard to ignore. Anxiety, depression, alcohol or substance abuse, obsessions and compulsions are also common in people that have eating disorders. This causes a cycle because they are all linked together and are often paired with eating disorders. Brains of those with anorexia or bulimia can override urges to eat, according to Science Daily. People that have eating disorders receive signals to the hypothalamus that are significantly weaker. The brain overrides their signals to eat. The brain overriding the signals can be very damaging to your health. Now, let's back up a minute. The brain is broken into the cerebellum, the brainstem, and the cerebrum, just to keep it simple. The cerebellum is located in the hindbrain, the brainstem is located in the middle brain, and the cerebrum is located in the forebrain. Those all stem into smaller subcategories where the hypothalamus comes from. The hypothalamus is located just below the thalamus and pituitary gland, responsible for hunger, thirst, sleep, and sexual response. So you might want to think about that the next time you're considering doing anything that will damage your brain. Moving forward, people with eating disorders have intense emotions related to food. They can be at risk for co-occurring conditions like mood or anxiety disorders, according to the National Eating Disorders Association. Now that you've been introduced to how the brain works and some of its components, I'm going to jump to Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's syndrome is a complicated disorder that is fascinating and often misinterpreted. Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder characterized by sudden repetitive, rapid, or unwanted movements as well as offensive vocal tics, according to the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Strokes. Tourette's can be easily mistaken and people often find it funny when actually it can be quite dangerous. 
Movements can be erratic and dangerous in certain situations. People with Tourette's experience movements that are called premonitory urges, and these result from abnormalities in frontal lobes and the cerebrum, which both control thinking, speech, emotions, and planned muscle movements, as well as coordination, touch, and vision. The frontal lobe is located in the cerebrum and is located directly behind the forehead. The frontal lobe helps govern personality and impulsivity. I'm really big on this word because these disorders and syndromes all have to do with an impulse associated or caused by the brain. There is a place called Broca's area that allows thoughts to be transformed into words. There is also a motor area that helps control voluntary movement. Hence, why Tourette's is linked with abnormalities in the frontal lobe and the cerebrum. Brainline also states, if damaged, there might be no braking mechanism for self-control. A person may make inappropriate comments not realizing they are off-color. And since there is no braking mechanism for self-control, people with Tourette's put themselves at risk of severely injuring themselves and others around them because of the involuntary movements. I know I've thrown a lot at you, so hang tight. The next two topics are slightly more intense. Rolling right into it, there is Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome is commonly defined as a psychological connection with abusers or captors closely linked to a kidnapping. However, anyone can be susceptible to Stockholm Syndrome, including children. It can develop from trauma at home or any PTSD that happens from emotional abuse. This syndrome results in psychological damage to the frontal lobe because the frontal lobe controls cognition, reasoning, and motor skills. However, the Stockholm Syndrome is a coping strategy and it's not necessarily a disorder. It is still related to mental manipulation. Due to the psychological abuse, people that go through Stockholm Syndrome are hesitant to turn in their captors most of the time because they sympathize with them and they often refuse to cooperate with the police and turn in their captors. You see this in most abuse cases because they will often stop police from arresting their significant other even after a violent assault. And they are also reluctant to press charges most of the time. Stockholm Syndrome is actually quite scary because it results in relying on survival instincts and it is actually more common than you would think. There are many different things that are identified as Stockholm Syndrome that you wouldn't believe are true. When people hear Stockholm Syndrome, they immediately think kidnapping, and you're not wrong, but Stockholm Syndrome can take place in abusive relationships due to the emotional and psychological abuse. There's often multiple mind manipulations, and your brain experiences many reroutes from your normal routines and how your brain is normally programmed. Stockholm Syndrome can be seen as a survival instinct because those that have went through it often participate or take part in actions that can benefit or make their captor happier in order to save their life. This tricks their brain into a reward system. They think of it as their life for certain deeds. Child abuse is also a form of Stockholm Syndrome because it is a confusing emotional abuse at a young age that may cause them to grow up and think it's okay and also causes them to be more compliant or participate in compliance to avoid abuse in their home. Believe it or not, sports coaching is also a form of Stockholm Syndrome. You wouldn't think so, but sports coaching can technically use and often use abusing techniques and often athletes will think it's for their own good when really that's just another form of Stockholm Syndrome. 
As I mentioned before, Stockholm Syndrome is not necessarily brain damage to a certain part of the brain, but the brain still endures a hard mental abuse, which is crazy to think about because it's insane how quickly the mind can change over time. It's easy to form habits and it's hard to get rid of them. Similarly, it's easy to be susceptible to mental manipulation and it's hard to realize what's going on. Although Stockholm Syndrome can be pretty intense, I save the best for last. Have you ever pondered about multi-personality disorder? It is kind of spooky and mesmerizing when you think about it. Multi-personality disorder is also known as dissociative identity disorder and it consists of the presence of two or more split identities. On average, there's 13 to 15 personalities that can grow over time. According to Cleveland Clinic, about 90% of the cases of dissociative identity disorder involve some history of abuse. Dissociation is a coping mechanism that allows a person to disconnect from certain triggers. This may reflect different races, genders, or even ages in altered personalities. They function with their own handwriting, mannerisms, likes and dislikes, allergies, and even other health conditions. Yes, seriously, one personality may hate peanuts and claim to be allergic or even exert symptoms of an allergic reaction, while others might eat peanut butter every single day. Switches can take minutes, days, or even mere seconds. An alter may not recognize things they've bought or people they've even met, even though they look the same to the outside world. The orbital frontal cortex functions differently in DID patients. The orbital frontal cortex is located in the forebrain and it's tucked inside the frontal lobes of the brain. OFC relates to a type of impulse control, but too much damage causes a deficit in response inhibition according to Neuroscientifically Challenged. OFC is key to the role of decision-making in emotions. The people that have damages to the orbitofrontal cortex lack impulse control and do things that can often be risky. Alters may perform certain actions that the host or other alters wouldn't ever take part in. Authors are created to perform different functions such as maintaining a job, parenting, being sexually active, or even a protector. They can be completely unaware of the existence of the others, and only one personality can be present at a time. Sometimes they fail to realize that killing one kills the whole system, and that's often where issues arise in the alters. There may be conflicts or even violence between two alters that are coexisting at the same time. Switching is mainly prompted by stress. Some lose consciousness and some experience zoning out before they fully take over the body. DID can be misunderstood just like the other disorders and syndromes I mentioned. All of them rely on this impulse and this change in the brain and I find it absolutely mind-breaking how complex and intriguing our minds are. They play such a huge role in our everyday functions and we move about and do things without understanding how hard our brain works. Anyway, that's a wrap on how the brain works in different disorders and syndromes. Thanks for listening.